From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and we are approaching crunch time for raising the debt limit, which was needed by summer. There's been no negotiations with the president, but House Republicans are trying to move on their own with a debt limit plan, and they're beginning to show their hand as to what they're hoping they can pass in coming weeks. We want to talk about all that, what they have in mind, uh, and whether this thing has legs. Joining me to do that is Peter Cohn, the deputy news editor at CQ Roll Call. Thanks again for being here, Pete. Always a pleasure, David. And Lindsay McPherson, who covers congressional leadership and the politics of appropriations at CQ Roll Call. Thanks again, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. So we know that Speaker Kevin McCarthy is going to give a major economic address on Monday to the New York Stock Exchange, a prime opportunity for him to grab a little of the spotlight and make his push for the spending curbs he wants as part of any increase in the debt limit. And we know that during this two-week recess, Congress has been working behind the scenes, House Republicans have, to try to coalesce around some ideas for a bill that they could, that would satisfy their conference for a debt limit increase. So what do they have in mind, Lindsay? What are the, what are the broad ideas here that, that they want to see in this package? Um, well, so far there are a lot of ideas on the table and obviously they're still working through what can get support in the conference, but the broad parameters of what they're discussing are um, first that looking to raise the debt limit or lift the debt limit through um it sounds about May 2024. It's not totally clear if that would be a suspension or a dollar increase, but my, I suspect a suspension. They don't like to vote for numbers typically. Um, then they want to attach a bunch of things, uh, definitely some spending cuts in the form of uh, at least a cap on fiscal 2024 discretionary spending levels. Um, there's some debate about whether they cap all discretionary spending that would include both defense and non-defense counts an overall number for both, or if they would just cap the um, non-defense spending. So that's still being played out in terms of how to go about that cap and exactly what number it would be. They're also talking about limiting annual growth for the decade following um, to about 1% to 1.5% are the numbers in play at the moment. Again, nothing finalized yet there. It's not clear that that would even be enforceable, but most likely they try to write it in an enforceable way. They've got ideas to go and claw back some COVID uh, money. It's about $70 billion, I think they think, is available to claw back. They want to block Biden's student loan forgiveness. They want to um, add work requirements for some social programs. Specifically, they've talked about SNAP. Um, there might be some others they're looking at as well. They have uh, their energy package they just passed, um, HR1. They want to include some of that. Not clear how much at this point, um, but that, that did pass with all but one Republican voting for it. So that there's obviously a lot of things in there they could agree to put in. Um, and then uh, some other things like regulatory, they have a regulatory bill and a couple other things floating out there as ideas like repealing some of the green tax credits from Democrats' climate law. Right. So a huge package here of, you know, some major, major spending curbs the Democrats are sure to hate. Pete, what are the chances this thing can actually pass the House and and does it go anywhere? 
Well, as Lindsay just laid out, we don't know what it is yet. So there's still a lot of internal debate that needs to play out in the, in the Republican conference about what ends up going in there. I think you know some of the things Lindsay just mentioned have a good chance of of getting in, and you have a pretty broad cross section of the conference have uh, having gone on record in recent days and weeks and saying, you know, these are the kinds of things that we can support. You've got the, you know, they talk about the five families, right? Everybody remember the Godfather, you know, the Republican conference, the Main Street people, the Freedom Caucus, the Republican Study Committee. So you get enough kind of critical mass in some of these ideas that it seems like maybe they can scrape their way to 218 votes. But, um, you know, again, this is this is just the kind of the way to change the narrative because for weeks and months, President Biden and Chuck Schumer, the Senate Democratic leader, have been banging on the Republicans, saying, "Where is your plan?" Right. You know, they, Biden says he won't even he's not even going to get in a room or on the phone with Kevin McCarthy to talk about, uh, you know, a budget deal or any sort of policy concessions. Uh, as part of the debt limit negotiations, it's got to be completely separate. So Biden said, here's my plan. He put out his budget in in uh, uh, March and said, well, all right, well, I'm going to reduce deficits by $3 trillion, even though there's some problems with that number. It's probably not even close to $3 trillion if you if you get down to it. But um, you know, they rightly said, okay, Republicans want to cut spending. How would you do that? What, do, what are we talking about here? You don't want to, ra- to raise any taxes? So how are you going to reduce deficits as part of this whole uh, effort to uh, get the nation's you know fiscal picture under control. So here's now this is an opportunity for the Republicans to to they're not going to put out a full budget. We know that, but here is their sort of you know offer sheet, and here's what they're here's what can get the votes in the House, and then it's over to you, Chuck Schumer. What can you pass? What do you have sixty votes for? So it's a way to kind of flip that script a little bit. To to you know renew the to reset this whole debate, uh, you know now whether they can get the votes for to you know to pass this in the house is another question, but you know it seems like they're they're moving towards something here. So to answer Pete's question they just raised, I do think it's possible for them to pass something, but it is going to be a messy process to get to that something because all these ideas there's so much on the table that if any individual member opposes one piece of what they're looking at you know, that can affect every other piece. So they can lose no more than four votes if assuming Democrats aren't voting for this, which is pretty obvious. And we are, like I already mentioned, for example, you know, Brian Fitzpatrick voted against their energy package. So if they put something from the energy package he opposes, then there's another Republican that might oppose the work requirement piece. And like, it's a very delicate balance on how they handle this. But I do think at the end of the day that they can find a couple pieces of this. I think it'll be a narrowed list at the end of the day that could go on a bill and something they could pass that can get to 18. But I think it'll be a messy few weeks to kind of whittle that down to what can get support. Yeah, the arithmetic gets very, very tricky with only four votes to spare because every 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 Republican lawmaker is effectively a kingmaker here as to, as to what can go in and out or out of the package. And we know that, you know, pushing to, to cap discretionary spending down to these fiscal 2022 levels. I mean, particularly if they want to exempt defense, you're talking about a huge whack out of the rest of those programs for non-defense programs that, that 
there's no way Democrats will stomach a 20, 30 percent cut in all those programs. So it does raise the question of even if they get this past the House, where does that really go from here? Can we really talk about another decade's worth of these spending caps that everyone thought we were rid of after the 2011 deal? Is that even realistic right now under a Democratic president? Well, no, it's not. <laughs> let's, let's, be, let's be honest here. And the idea here is by putting this May 24th, May 2024 date in there, they want to suspend the debt limit for a year, right? Take this off the table for at least another year. And then with extraordinary measures, probably get past the 2024 elections. Extraordinary measures be- meaning all the things Treasury can do to actually postpone uh, breaching the debt ceiling, right. inter- internal accounting measures. So once that happens, once they get the whatever that magic formula is and get 218 in the House and 60 in the Senate, Biden's going to sign. They're going to take that off the table. And the idea here is you get past this year's appropriation process. So uh, no, of course, the Senate's not going to agree to what the House is talking about on, on appropriations. So, But the idea is you, you kind of divorce that. You, you divorce those two things. You decouple them. So you get the debt limit out of the way, and then you can go focus on the appropriations. Now, of course, McCarthy is going to be under enormous pressure from the right to, even if they you know, can't do statutory spending caps that can get through the Senate, he's going to be under huge pressure to at least try to, to live up to those promises he made in January when he won the, the speaker vote. Uh, so you know, are we looking at CRs? Of course, we always look at CRs. Could we be looking at CRs into next year? Very, very possibly. Could we be looking at a government shutdown? Also very possible. But that would be orders of magnitude less detrimental to the global economy than a debt ceiling breach where all of a sudden we're missing payments to bondholders, Social Security recipients, and everybody else. And you know, interest rates go much higher than they even are today, which are at you know 10-year highs. So I mean, we've got a real problem with the debt ceiling that the government shutdown, while debilitating, is not nearly as bad uh, for the global economy as, as a debt ceiling breach is. But they could still go through with a, with a hard cap on discretionary spending, Pete? Yeah. I mean, you have to. I mean, they, they need to deem a cap, for, at least deem a cap for appropriate. And we know there's not going to be a budget resolution, right? I mean, that, that's off the table. So, I mean, there's, there's no way the Senate and House are going to agree on a budget resolution. So just to have some sort of enforceable spending target in the House, you got to you got to have some some sort of a limit there so that amendments on the floor can't go above the, you yeah, know that yeah. that ceiling, right? So yeah, there's going to be something they're going to do something. But you know, is is the Senate going to agree to what the House is talking about on the numbers? Absolutely not. So that's not going to be part of this. The debt ceiling will get raised in some fashion, and the idea here is get that like, get that out of the way because that's coming at everybody like a freight train as early as June. They have to deal with that. That is priority number one. Right. But the question, so the only, the question is how you deal with that. How, how can yeah. you get that out of the way? That's the, that's the whole thing. And, and David, but we know the Senate and the White House are not going to agree to the, to the House's numbers on appropriations. Right. So they got to figure out a way to divorce that somehow. That's the only option here for anybody. Does that mean give up on the discretionary spending caps? You, no, you don't have to give up on discretionary spending caps, but it's just it, it's not going to be the House's number. Right. Okay. So piggyback on Pete, basically, what another useful part of this exercise for House Republicans is that they do agree on a cap as part of the debt limit bill that they're putting together. They can either 
do it within that bill or separately set a cap for their appropriations bills, have the house write their appropriations bills to those numbers. And that's useful because they want to pass them all through regular order. So they really need to get going through committee sooner rather than later, start marking up bills here. Ideally, even like as late, you know, as late May, early June, get them to the floor and, you know, July, start moving them. So like to go through this exercise to see what is that cap. They've been talking about a FY22 cap. But whatever it is that they can actually get um, agreement on, it makes starting the spending cut um, process within the appropriations committee process easier. And similarly, the Senate will, they can come up with their own number, pass their own bills. They're talking about actually going to markup and putting some on the floor. And then they could potentially go to conference. I, that's that's their ambition. Like they, it's a big ambition. I don't think we end up there, but at least it gets the process rolling. Um, so there is a. Yeah. And Lindsay's exactly right. And, you know, the other option here has been talked about in the past is you do a shorter term debt limit increase or suspension of some kind. You kick the, kick the can into, say, September, uh, and then you come back and then you have to try to negotiate some, or you, and they can do it again even. You can pass another short term suspension until such time as the House and Senate and the White House can get on board with a number that's for appropriations that's agreeable to everybody. You know, that's something that's definitely been talked about. This current construct the House Republicans are talking about basically would 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 uh, divorce the two issues, right? Because you know we know the Senate and the White House are not going to agree to the very austere spending numbers. You know, austere I guess is in the eye of, eye of the beholder, right? I mean, Republicans will argue, well, non-defense discretionary spending is up forty percent in the last five years, so. Um, you know, but in any event, we know the White House and the Senate are not going to go along with that number. So the idea here is let's throw spaghetti at the wall. Let's see what sticks, what gets 218, kick it over to Schumer, and then say, hey, Chuck, what do you have that can get 60 votes that can get out of your chamber? You know, you obviously have to have bipartisan support over there. You're going to need, now we don't know when Feinstein's, Senator Dianne Feinstein, she's out with the shingles, she's 89 years old. We don't know when she's coming back. Um, you know, you need to get, you're going to need to get at least, and then we don't know where Manchin is going to be on any given day. I mean, this is a guy that won't even call himself a Democrat anymore. So uh, you're going to need at least 10 Republicans, maybe more on whatever it is. Right. So let's see what happens. In the meantime, appropriations, we know, you know, the House is going to be moving through their process in May and June. Senator Senators Murray and Collins on Senate appropriations, they've said they're going to go through regular order. They're going to, you know, we, we got to see what kind of a number they can agree to. They can get their support of, of uh, Senate leadership on the Republican side and Democratic side. So, I mean, appropriations is going to be a very messy, drawn out process. But the problem with that is you have to divorce that from the debt limit because the debt limit is coming down the track extremely fast. And it's it's a big pro- it's it's the number one priority. You got to get that out of the way before you can get into the messy, drawn out issue of appropriations. Yeah, well, I like your metaphor about spaghetti on the wall because it does seem like we're going to be looking at a lot of spaghetti in the coming weeks here, because um, we don't know what we're, what is really going to stick. And you did you did hear apart from the discretionary spending, there is this push by Republicans to somehow try to put on the table curbs to mandatory spending, which is really the heart of, of why we have these structural deficits. Um, you di- you are seeing this push for, you know, tougher work requirements on food stamp recipients, 
There is this proposal kicking around to create a bipartisan commission to look at the future solvency of Social Security and Medicare, which are the big ticket items. Of course, a commission doesn't really get you any dollar savings here. But there is an eagerness from Republicans to look at mandatory spending in some way. Seems like a safe bet some some kind of proposal like that is going to be part of this debt limit package, right? Certainly the work requirement piece is something they definitely want to include. I think it's they have to work internally to decide which programs they would have support for work requirements. I've heard from sources that, you know, the SNAP when you talked about basically tightening existing SNAP work requirements and making it harder for states to waive those, which is that Republicans think is a big problem now that states have too much flexibility to waive those requirements um, for able-bodied adults without dependents. Um, that is has more broad appeal, it seems, than, for example, the Freedom Caucus really wants work requirements on Medicaid. Um, and I've heard that, that there is some resistance to that and other parts of the conference so that that would be harder. Um, you know, TAMP, I, I don't know what else they might be considering so that that's something they still have to work through, but it seems a, like a piece. You mentioned the commissions. I'm not quite sure yet where the commission idea is going to go. There's definitely support for it among some Republicans, but I think some also see that as like, what's the point? We've done these in the past. You know, we, we, know, we all know what we need to do. It's just about the political will. We don't need another commission to come up with solutions. Like, Right. But of course, the point of doing a commission is it it sort of makes it look as though you're doing something about Social Security and Medicare, right? It gives you credit for doing something without actually doing something. To me, it also like, you know, this has become such a flashpoint. Um, It's Democrats have used Social Security and Medicare as an attack. I don't understand politically why the Republicans would even bother with the commission because the White House and Democrats could still attack them for even proposing that and saying, well, they said they didn't want to touch us. Now they're like talking about this. I think the White House has previously called this idea a death panel or something, something ridiculous. Um, and yeah. <laughs> they, they, they can still attack it. So it's just like if it, the commission does nothing, why even bother with it? Like, I don't I don't understand that one. I, we'll see where it goes. But I, I have a feeling that won't end up in the package, but I could be wrong. I actually think the uh, the commission thing, I mean, that is going to be something that if, if you're looking at a, a group of, of Republican senators you can who you could potentially entice to get on board with a debt limit increase, and even some of the, the Democrats and independents like Angus King, who's been all, all, you know, all about this issue of trying to get the um, uh, entitlement programs under control, I think... It could have, I'm just playing a little bit of devil's advocate here. I mean, it's kind of thing that could have some legs. I mean, basically what it's saying is we're going to set up this bipartisan, anything, this is basically locking in a process where whatever we do, if we do anything, and we don't actually have to do anything about Social Security and Medicare, but if we do, whatever it is, it must be bipartisan. So everybody gets in a room and puts their ideas on the table. And you got to come up, come out with a majority vote on both sides of the aisle, and then it's fast tracked to the floor. Okay, and then also preemptively, they're taking Social Security and Medicare benefit cuts off the table. It's written into the letter from the Main Street uh, Caucus they put out yesterday. Um, no cut, no cuts to benefits. Now, you know, they, but they they do want to look at what they call unnecessary spending related to Social Security and Medicare. And then take those savings and put it into the trust funds to make them uh, to extend their solvency. Now, I don't know what unnecessary spending 
in those programs necessarily means. Uh, Medicare, you know, the time-honored approach, which was uh, a huge part of, frankly, Obamacare in 2010, was cutting reimbursements to healthcare providers who participate in the Medicare program. Hundreds of billions of dollars in cuts. Now, of course, the Republicans demagogued that at the time, you know, as basically throwing granny off a cliff. Right. Um, but, you know, and then, of course, Republicans came back with their own budget with Paul Ryan and, you know, changing the, the nature of the Medicare program. And then Paul Ryan was throwing granny off the cliff. So anyway, and then Russ Vogt, uh, Trump's former budget director, put out a budget plan that's gotten a lot of attention, a lot of support among, you know, Freedom Caucus types and others that you look at the numbers there, he says no cuts to Medicare benefits, no cuts to Social Security benefits. But he'd also cut reimbursements to Medicare providers by a trillion dollars over a decade. So, you know, is there some wiggle room there? The trillion may be a high number, but maybe you get something south of that eventually. I mean, there are ways to cut Medicare, for instance, without directly going after benefits. But then, of course, you get in the whole argument, well, if you're cutting reimbursements, then these providers are going to drop out of the program and they're not going to be able to serve people. And then, so therefore, seniors are going to get fewer benefits uh, at the, you know, indirectly as a result of that. So one thing the, I do want to say about the commission idea too, is if to do it now, the timing would be kind of weird. Usually you give a commission at what, a year, six, you know, half a year, a year to work. So let's say this commission has supposed to come up with something right in the middle of the freaking 2024 presidential race. <laughs> and they put out this giant plan. I mean, that that's just horrible timing. Like, let, let's not. Well, it depends and, how it depends when you want the commission to report back. You could always well, give them a yeah, year. Or so. Like, yeah, you're not going to give them until after the 2024. I mean, you could. You could, yeah. It, but it just seems like Politically, no. a idea. I, I think they they said in the, the Main Street letter they said six months they want. Right. So, so yeah, you get, by you, the end of this year. So yeah, yeah keep, 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 keep it. for the twenty twenty four campaign. We already know Trump's running. He's opposed social cutting Social Security and Medicare in the past. Um, you know, it it's just a flashpoint for politics that it's like, I know they need to do something. I just, the yeah. timing. Works so there's that. Lot. We'll have to see how that plays out. And then the other element Republicans seem to be pushing for are clawing back these green energy tax credits that could be a lot more expensive than, than was advertised. Right. Um, they didn't like a lot of that to begin with the Republicans. It was part of the, the democratic reconciliation package last year. So it had no Republican support to begin with. Um, so we could see as part of this debt limit deal, right, from a Republican bill, clawing back these tax credits uh, that would save up, free up a good deal of money. Sure. Why not? Pass it in the House. Yeah. T toss it over to the Senate and watch it watch it die. Right. I mean, there's no way that's going to pass the Senate. Well, it's more right. spaghetti on the wall kind of thing. To yeah. use your, your, um, that's, but that's what the, this is all about. Yeah. David, all this is entirely about tossing this hot potato over to Chuck Schumer and changing the narrative from the last several months of where's your plan? Show us your plan. We're not going to talk to you until you show us your plan. Right. Which That's is why this is, is still going to take months to, to settle, I, I think. I mean, they seem like, you know, even if they do a Republican bill... That's so partisan, it goes nowhere. And then where are we? And meanwhile, the clock is running out. So let's, with not much time left here, let's talk about the timing because um, the House comes back this coming week. Um, they're in for two weeks. 
Then I think they're out for a week before they come back again. And we've got the whole May session. Um, how quickly do they have to act fairly quickly here if they want a Republican bill, because they know that's not going to be the final package. Uh, if they're facing a June deadline, supposedly for, for debt limit action, this is all be- going to be coming fast and furious. And, and uh, what do we think the timing is here realistically? I mean, realistically, there are there's some calls to do it in April, but I, realistically, that seems a little aggressive. Um, so probably May timeline. It just depends how long it takes to get everyone on the same page. Um, they also, it's not clear whether they're going to try to go through committee on part of this. Um, it, obviously, the things they're talking about could span multiple jurisdictions, but at least Ways and Means, you know, which has primary jurisdiction over the debt limit, could mark up a piece if they want to follow. They did had this big campaign at the beginning of the year and pushed for regular order. That was part of the speaker race negotiations. So like whether members demand a markup or their fines going to the floor and just contradicting themselves. Um, so there's a lot of things to be played, but I certainly, I think having something done before the Memorial day recess would be key. If the deadline is going to be potentially in June, but we'll know more they, they, after the tax, um, filing deadline and the treasury can determine how much you know cash they'll have they can revise the x date and if it the x date's a little further out then they maybe have more time but yeah okay um any closing thoughts here words of wisdom on how this debt limit fight's gonna happen well i think the one thing i think that pete has been pointing out and i want to just piggyback on a little bit is the change of the narrative is really important if republicans can successfully pass a bill that includes some of their demands. I really, it'll be really interesting to see how Democrats respond because yeah, like their main point besides, well, we don't want to negotiate. Um, you guys have raised it in the past without conditions, you know, which, you know, they, they kind of push back on that a little bit. Other than that, they've been sitting constantly drilling. Where's your plan? Where's your plan? So Republicans will kind of have the upper hand if they put out a plan and pass something, prove they can get the votes because Democrats have questioned whether they can get enough votes for anything they're even talking about. Um, that will certainly give them a little bit more leverage in negotiations. And I don't, you know, it could potentially force Democrats to the table or Democrats could hold strong and say, we're still not negotiating. But I think it'll certainly be interesting to see how the dynamic here flips rhetorically and, you know, the pressure that comes with that. Yeah, I'll just say one last thing on that. And Lindsay's absolutely right. But, you know, one thing we know about the Senate is if we don't know anything else about how this debt limit fight is going to play out, we know one thing the Senate does not have the votes for. And you know what I'm going to say? A clean debt limit increase. Sure. Yep. That is the one thing they do not have the votes right. for. I agree. So something has to happen. We just don't know what or how quickly, but we will be covering it all for you. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again to Lindsay McPherson. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, David. And thanks again, Peter Cohn. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, David. And thank you all for listening. If you like what you hear here, you should subscribe to the CQ Budget newsletter at CQ.com. You can follow all of our coverage at CQ.com or RollCall.com. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next time.